it's a huge part of the conversion. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? To get the answers, we interview top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. Listen, we believe every agent should make a minimum of $100,000 per year, and we're on a mission to make this happen. We've already helped over 100 agents achieve this with our coaching. So if you want to fast track your business growth, get to your first $100,000 in GCI or add another $100,000 in GCI using social strategies, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com or you can just click the link in the description below. Also, just make sure to follow us, hit that subscribe button, and if you get any value from this at all, please tell a friend and leave us a review. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today we've got Brooke Signs with us. She has been in real estate for six years. She's got two teams in two completely different states. She's got nine team members. She sold 500 homes total and over 130 in 2021. She's an absolute fucking beast. And she's going to come and share with you her top three secrets to success. As always, Brooke. Thanks for jumping on the show with us today. We can't wait to dive in. So how you sell 500 homes, 130 in a year, good year. What would we like to do? Take us back to the beginning, six years ago. Why'd you get into this? Beautiful or not beautiful, whichever way you look at it, world of real estate. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, it's such a pleasure to be on the show with you too. So um, yeah, going back six years, I actually used to be an entertainment agent and I booked motivational speakers to colleges and universities throughout the country. And I was on the road every Thursday to Sunday. And at that point, I had gotten married a few years before that, started having, you know, growing our family, having kids. And then the kids started being able to talk, you know, where we sometimes we want them to talk and we teach them. And then we're like, oh, why did we do this? But they actually started saying, mommy, don't go, don't go on this trip. And that's the easiest way. I mean, you might as well rip my heart out and stomp on it. You know, I'm not leaving my kids. So I, I made a career change. I Googled like crazy what was going to be similar. I'm a high eye on the disc scale. I'm in 98 out of 100. So I love people. I love relationships. And so I was Googling all over, I mean, what's what's going to involve people and relationships in real estate just kept coming up. And so I said, all right, I guess let's try real estate. And so I went down the road to the closest real estate office and um, it happened to be Remax and my family always used Remax agents. And so I had a chat with them and decided to dive right in. And I did. Um, I was blessed that first year. I sold 30 homes. I didn't know what I was doing. I (laughs) was running around like a chicken with my head cut off and very much so um, the fake it till you make it mentality. And, but I mean, I was so blessed and, and in growing relationships over the years, it was amazing for me to tap back into those relationships and those friendships created. So you did 30 in your first year, which is pretty, pretty mental, right? To go in. I mean, we, we see such a span. Some people, a lot of people, I think even the mega agents that we've had on the show, there's a bunch of them that have had really terrible first years, like six or eight homes. And then by year two or three, everything just kind of clicked. 
And then they went from like eight to like 70. And it's like, it just mm-hmm. kind of, everything fell into place. We figured out. So what did you do to get your first 30? I know you said you were running around like a headless chicken. What was, what was the headless chicken activities <laughs> for the listeners? What did that look like? Oh boy. Well, what I did initially, I sent out an announcement letter. Of course, I reached out to my sphere and let them know that I was new in the business. I think at a young age, I mean, I was working 40 hours a week while I was in high school. And so I've always had that business or working mindset, that work ethic and and hardworking mindset. And I think that people from high school even and people from college remembered me as that kind of business person in high school. And so people, I think that automatically helped me with that trust factor. And then they knew, you know, hey, if Brooke's involved in this, she's going to do a great job and look out for my best interest, which is a huge part, as you know, in real estate is allowing people, you know, letting them know that you're not looking out, you don't, you're not talking with commission breath, right? We're looking out for their best interest. And um, so it, it was me reaching out to a lot of my sphere. I also dove in one of the lenders that I had been friends with throughout the years. He said, you need to get on a high volume lead generation platform immediately. And that freaked me out because those are expensive. And he said, Hey, you get on, you know, I'll pay for a portion, you pay for a portion, let's do it and and rock this. So I jumped in and did that. And that was probably almost half the sales because I was able to just dive in and talk to these people, be a people person. Um, my family teases me for my my phone laugh. And, you know, I, I have a business laugh that they're like, yep, she's on a business call. Um, but I think that that allows people, especially when you're cold calling or warm calling through leads that come in online, is having them hear that laugh over the phone and kind of hear your personality or that you're genuine. Yeah. So was the was it Zillow you jumped on right away? Was that the one or was it a different one or was it Facebook or what? No, it was actually Commissions Inc., which Commission. they're now Sync, C-I-N-C. Oh, yes, C-I-N-C, yeah. They've rebranded. Nice. Yep. And I, I'm i a huge, I just closed this year, part of my 139 sales in 2021 was a $3.2 million Sync sale and lead that I got. So that was a nice one. Paid for the platform for a little while. <laughs> so, so, what, so what do you say to the people that say those things don't work? Mm. Well, since you said we can swear on this show, no, <laughs> I you, you can say I, whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> oh, bullshit. Um, I really think you know there are no bad leads. There are leads that are just not ready yet, and there have been people on the Sync platform that I've held their hand for three years, and it's just staying in touch with them and letting them know, hey, when you're looking to buy or sell you're going to use Brooke Signs. Brooke Signs has been here with you along the whole uh, along the whole way. And one of and I know we're going to get into leads and how we kind of stay in touch with people. One of the things is I reach out to people at least once a month. Even if you're 10 years out from from buying a home, Peter, I say I'm going to be there. I'm going to check in with you once a month and just make sure nothing's changed. And it's a quick 
phone call, text, Facebook message. I mean, however these people reach out to me is how I respond, how I reach out to them. And I'll, I'll say, Hey, I know you don't, you're not looking for a few years yet, but is there anything you thought of that you need that I can assist you with? Can I put you in touch with a local veterinarian so you can, you know, ask questions, local schools? Can I send you our relocation packet or guide and just come from a place of, you know, serve them regardless of any opportunity. And so if you come from that servant mindset and they walk into, you know, they tell you they're five years out, but yet they're probably all over Zillow and getting the responses daily and the listing alerts. So of course, all of a sudden they're five years out and then the house, the perfect house comes on the market and they're like, I'm going to that open house. It looks amazing. This is the one. And when they walk through that door and the agent says, Hey, are you working with someone? I want them to say, yes, I'm working with Brooke Signs. She calls me every month or yeah. reaches out to me. I mean, she's our girl and she's our agent. Not, Oh yeah, we talked to someone at an open house a couple months ago. You know, no, thank you. So I think it's a huge part of the conversion is staying in touch because we got to nurture some leads. We can't always be cherry picking. Oh, it's massive. It's ma- one of the things I think super interesting is like you were brave enough and bold enough to, to kind of listen to your broker and take the leap. So we're like me and Peter are definitely on the paid ad side. Like we believe in that for us. It's like, how do you like, basically, how do you build your sphere fast? Rather than taking 10 years to do it, how can you do it in a year or two years so you get those leads and you can nurture them? And that's kind of what the the side that we've always fallen on. We came from the digital space anyway. So we were doing it long before and it was like, well, this just makes sense. How do we want to get leads and sell loads of homes? We'll run ads, we'll we'll, we'll pay for leads and, and we kind of get them through. But you're, you're totally right. It's like a lot of people, the reason I think... It's something you touched on as well. A lot of people have say basically say shit about online lead journeys because they have this weird misguided idea that they're referrals. Like it's like mm-hmm. they're going to convert tomorrow. And it's like they don't. They convert in three, six, nine, 12 months, but they do need a home and they will need a home eventually. So just stay in touch with the people and and they'll buy from you eventually. They Like these people will buy. It's just you've got to be willing to play a long-term game. And, and like people just aren't, they're just not willing to do that. Like, I think one of the biggest shames about real estate, and I think a lot of people are kind of sold a lie where it's like, come in, you can make tons of money, make five, seven, 10 grand per home sale or a bit more with your 3.2 million. You might've made 12 grand. (laughs) Just a little little bit on that, on that one. And it's like, but this stuff takes time. And the reason it's paid so high, why all sales jobs have such high pay rate is because they're hard. Like they're hard and you're generating real money for people. Like you're generating money for your broker. Like the reason you get paid a lot is because you generate a lot and they, they have to give you a good chunk. Otherwise it's not worthwhile. And other people think they're going to come in and it's like, oh, I'm going to sell me mom's home and then my brother's home and my sister-in-law's home. And it's like, listen, you might get a few commission checks. You might get 10, 15, 20 grand and then you're out because you, you got nothing. And that's one of, I think one of the greatest shames is that, a lot of people come in. I think that's why there's so many licenses that are currently held is because there's a lot of, of those individuals and not people who are treating this. Something we speak about a lot is like, this is a business. This is like a real business. This isn't like, you know, this isn't, you haven't got a job here. 
This is like you are running a company. You're part of a brokerage. Sure, you'd be part of Compass, Remax, EXP, whatever it is. But like, make no mistake, you're running a business. Like, <laughs> do you know who's yeah. coming? You know, if you don't make sales to give you money, no one. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to sell them shit. So what, <clears throat> after your first year, so 30 is mega. And it makes more sense now because you dived into paid and it's like I went whole hog, which I know uh, must have been nerve wracking. So what did you do? Well, give us kind of a timeline. Year one, 30, year two, three, four. What does it kind of look like? Because obviously last year was, what did you say, 139, which is yes. massive. So what what was kind of your growth? Was it pretty stable, like 50% year over year? What that look like? Yeah, I um, don't like grass to grow under my feet. So of course I have to, you know, I have set big goals. And so I had a... The, the almost on my first anniversary of being in the business, I went to a local real estate conference and I saw a speaker who was a, a real estate coach. And at that point, I I saw the successful agents that were around me all had coaches, and I said, you know what, I want a coach. So I didn't ask permission of my husband. I asked forgiveness after he knew or after I told him how much a coach is each month. But it worked out. In the first 30 days, he said, okay, now I get it. He's like, Brooke, you're the most driven person I know. Why are you, <laughs> why are you having a coach? And what it did is exactly what you were just talking about, Andrew, is that you look at it with your CEO hat on. All of a sudden, you're running a business versus trying to sell houses and and do those appointments. So I will tell you that that was instrumental. I work with Workman Success Systems. They're based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And for me, having their systems and processes and their things in place was huge in where I wanted to go. They're very much a coaching company that, uh, um, that holds your hand in team growth. And at that point, with selling 30 houses, I mean, I remember, I don't remember, I went on a Disney trip with my family that first year I was in real estate. I don't remember any bit of it. I remember standing in the middle of Magic Kingdom, wanting everyone to shut up because I'm trying to work a deal. I'm like, what are you doing? Why is it so noisy here? So... I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't keep that going. And so in hiring the coach and starting to hire an assistant that, of course, that freaked me out because I'm like, okay, in real estate, you're not getting paid. As you said, you're, I mean, you're making money for yourself. And so now I'm talking about putting food not only on my table, but on someone else's table as well. And my coach said, which this is a fantastic thing for any listeners that are looking at or possibly need an assistant. She said, look at it for 30 days. Can you pay someone? Or I'm sorry, not 30 days, 60 days. Can you pay someone? Can you pay someone for 60 days to help you in your business? And I'm like, 60 days? Yeah, I got this. I can, you know, sell a house and that's gonna be 60 days worth of um, salary or, or hourly pay for this person. And day one, this person started paying for themselves in the amount of 
help that I was getting. I mean, in transaction coordination, in marketing, in all sorts of things. So I hired the assistant. I started growing my team, bringing people on that could assist me. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to grow in a way of sales. I kind of came from it as a point like, I need help. I can't, you know, luckily I have too much business, if you will. And so I need someone to help, you know, run around. So that second year, I actually sold 55 houses on my own. And so I went from doing, you know, selling the 30 houses my first year, doing all the paperwork, all the transaction coordination, everything, which I still feel was necessary because I needed to know from A to Z how the transaction runs so I could educate my clients and and not just push it on to a transaction coordinator from day one. But then day two, having that transaction coordinator and that assistant in place allowed me to sell 55 houses. I had added another, had added a team member at that point and then started to just grow from there. And in year three, then we sold a hundred houses. I had a couple more team members and just continued to to grow from there. So by um, year three, you're already doing a hundred houses. It's something that we've spoken about a bunch. And I'm not sure if everyone somehow has worked down from the same coach or you've all every successful realtor has just happened to fall on this number. I'm not sure if you've even ever been told this. But basically, there's a golden rule in real estate for scaling that you hire every 30 deals. So every oh. 30 deals you do per year, you tend to hire someone to leverage your time. So you did 30, hired, and then you got another 30, you did 60, then you hired, and then you went to 100. And it's like you hired two more because you added 40. It's weird. It seems to be this magic number that everyone gets to 30 and they're like, I now need someone to help with these bits. And then they basically mm-hmm. jump again. And then they hire someone else. It might be an admin assistant, a marketing assistant. It might be a buyer's agent. It doesn't matter. Everyone's different. But it's it, like you were. It's 30. It's like 30. Then it's 60. And then it was 100 year three. So when you were going through, I was like, I bet I'm going to hazard a guess that these <laughs> are about her numbers. Because it ju- like th- this is why I love, like we just absolutely love speaking with everyone on the show because top producers, everyone who is crushing it, you like there is so many similarities between you all that people can replicate. It's like, this is what successful agents look like. And it's not even about, this is what we're saying as like a coach. It's like, these are at this point, like a hundred agents plus that we've spoken with. And it's like all the ones basically have new people every 30 deals. It's, it's, it's like I said, I'm not sure all, this, this real estate God out there is going, Every top producer goes, every 30 guys in the back of your head, you need someone, but it's 30. It's always been 30. It's weird. I haven't heard that before, but that's, yeah, yeah. I'll start using that. I'll steal it from you. Every 30, <laughs> you need, every 30 transactions per year, you'll hire someone. Unless you we do have some crazy people who do hundreds. But um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we, had, we were speaking with, I think it was Nick and he did, he did like 100 or 200 transactions himself. So I can't remember. It was mental. And he was like, yeah, I'd, I like, I had no life, dude. <laughs> so so my, my question is, as you were doing your 30 and your 30 went to 50 plus, 
Has your price point also changed? Did it go up? Did it go down? Did it stay about the same? Yeah, that's a great question. So I went, um, it it definitely has gone up. And I'll tell you, I mean, another side of it. So obviously, I'm in two states. And I don't even know how to manage myself, yet alone a team, yet alone a team in two different states at the same time. So (laughs) it's it's we're going to have to find out. (laughs) I did not set out for that. I mean, of course, be careful what you put out to the universe because I had that in my year three business plan. I had that in my five-year goals that I wanted to expand a team into the Charlotte, North Carolina market. And by golly, it happened in a year. So be careful what you put out there. Law law Um, of Attraction 101. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I'm so thankful that I did put that out there. It's been amazing. But in the, in the West Michigan or the, the Grand Rapids, Michigan market that I started in. So that's where I was born and raised. And that's where my sphere was. Now, after college, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina for about five years because I wanted, I'm not a huge fan of the winter and piles feet of snow and I said okay I want to move somewhere that's warmer and and give some place else to try before I decide to settle down you know I was single at the time and so I fell in love with the Charlotte North Carolina area then of course I go back and I'm in a friend's a girlfriend's wedding up in Michigan and I'm a I'm a bridesmaid and one of the cute groomsmen and I started talking and so that's how I met my husband. And I moved back to Michigan, kind of kicking and screaming. But I the agreement was that at some point, we're moving back to, to Charlotte, we're moving back to North Carolina. And so he, you know, at the time was kind of rolling his eyes like, yeah, okay, you know, we'll do that. So fast forward to my, you know, third year and third kind of fourth year in real estate, And the opportunity actually presents itself. You know, I've got this great business growing here in the Michigan market. That average sales price, of course, with the crazy to get, you know, to answer your question finally, Peter. But the market just continued to increase and increase in Michigan with hardest hit in that 2008, 2009 crisis. And so, I mean, we were coming back with a vengeance. So the home prices were certainly going up and getting closer to about a almost a 300,000 average price point. And then the opportunity presented itself for us to make a move to Charlotte. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to turn, I don't want to close shop of this great business I have going in West Michigan. So I'm going to appoint someone to kind of take over, you know, my admin actually, to kind of take over that, that daily leadership role I'm going to go start over in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let me tell you how fun that was. And that was September of 2019. So what happened a few months after that? Of course, this big C word, COVID. Yeah, that I don't even want to talk about. Um, But that's where... So I mean, growing my sphere and starting over. Now, what's interesting is that the average sales point or sales price in Charlotte and West Michigan are almost within five to ten thousand dollars of one another. So it's right around that three hundred thousand mark as well. However, the way that I've um 
I've really established myself here in Charlotte, our average price point has definitely increased here. So I would say our average is probably closer to about 500 and still 300 in the Michigan area. That's some nice. There's some nice commission checks. That's about what it is in in Boca, where we're slinging properties like four fifty, five hundreds, and um, it's a nice. It's nice, you know. Don't want to be selling those eighty k, you know, in where I don't know Arkansas. I also hazard a guess. Everyone in Arkansas has been like, "Motherfucker, it's like one fifty there." So- yeah, <laughs> and you're working hard. <laughs> but you know, with that being said, what I want to do is I want to dive into your first topic, which is. Something right. This is pl- your first topic is planning your daily schedule. I'm trying to get my words out too quickly. The thing about this is, this is the simplest path to success that every motherfucker ignores. Everyone just ignores this and they're like, well, I'm just going to kind of wing it. Well, the path to true success isn't winging it. There is a system, there is a flow to it that like people are consistent on a daily basis. So I want you to break down planning a daily schedule, what it means to you. Give some top tips. Oh, this is a huge one for me. Uh, so I am, I'm very OCD. I build myself as the OCD realtor. And so as a team leader and growing the team, I know that I have goals and plans each day and, and I'm going to make sure, I mean, come hell or high water, I'm hitting those each day. But from a team leader standpoint, I would watch these team these team members of mine come in and get to their computer and they're all ready for work for the day and then they sit down and they turn their computer on and go on Facebook and they're looking at and you know responding to people and then they're like okay I'm done with Facebook now what am I going to do and I'm like oh my god <laughs> like work you know here's yeah. what we can do we can call our leads we can do these things so finally I said you need a schedule you need to come in You need to have a checklist of what you need to get done. And if you come in and you get this list done, I don't care if it's done by noon. Go home then if you're done. But get this list. Do you have like a checklist that you like ride or die by every day or certain days you do certain things? Because you're managing two different teams. First of all, like I said, managing myself, I can't even think about managing a team and then another team in a different state. What does that look like? Because that is something that I require definitely improvement on and probably about 99% of people that are listening of how a high producer like yourself schedules and plans a day. I'm assuming you even have your gym time in there, your family time, your meal time down to such a granular level. Do you ever deviate from that as well? Um, I think it's impossible to be perfect. And so you have to give yourself some grace on a daily basis. But if you have a goal in mind and kind of a roadmap of what you want your day, your week, your month, your year to look like, I think that's imperative if you're going to stay any what organized. Um, What mine consists of is what I do for for the year. I put my um, family time So vacations and any time that I'm going to be with my family, that goes on my calendar first. And then from there, I determine what my goals are for the year. So if I want to personally sell 30 houses, 
I put in, I calculate and I say, okay, maybe I need to have this many, um, this many buyer appointments or listing appointments throughout the year. And then I say, okay, now from that standpoint, here's what I need to do. Here's how many calls I need to make. Here's how many appointments I need. And part of the coaching helped me realize that I need to have ways or avenues to get that business. So we have four pillars. The one pillar is always your sphere of influence and kind of your favorite people. So we work off of the belief that you should have 50 favorite people that you're calling once a month and you're deepening the relationships with. You're not calling asking for a referral, but you're deepening those relationships. And so with those other three pillars, then where am I going to get my business? Where am I going to get sell those 30 houses? Is it calling Fizbo's, expireds, working leads off Zillow, off Commissions Inc., off of wherever that's going to be? So we need to have four pillars. And then what we do, I'm going to stick with the number 30, is I'm aiming to sell 30 houses in each one of those areas. So my goal of what I'm actually trying for is 120. So it's almost impossible not to hit your goal because you're you're looking at, I want to sell 30 houses to these people and 30 houses in this area or this pillar. And then what I do is I divide that up, Peter, and I say, okay, here are my team meetings each week. So I have a different checklist I am a tangible person. So I have a three ring binder that I actually print off my checklist in a sheet protector. I put it in a sheet protector in this binder. And then I use a dry erase marker to check it off. So I don't have to, I'm not wasting paper. You know, I can reuse this and then I can change it on the go as I need to as well. So things that are on the daily checklist and it's different every day, Monday through Friday. And I say on Mondays, I have a team meeting with my team from 9 to 11. So that's what I'm going to do. So just like I said, I put my family time in there first. Then my team meetings are standard meetings that I need to have in there as well. And I start off every day, which I know we're going to get into that topic in a minute too. But at 8.45 a.m. for about 30 minutes, I talk to my team every morning. So I'm going to put those in each day's checklist as well. And then from there, I divide up and I say, okay, on Monday, I'm going to work pillar number one. So maybe that's my sphere of influence and top 50. And that's what I'm going to work on doing. I'm going to call those people. That's my prospecting activity. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to go after pillar number two, whether that's FISBOs, expired, probate attorneys, whatever. Pillar number three on, on Wednesday, pillar number four on Thursday. Friday is always up in the air because we've got, you know, closings and everything else. So I give myself some reprieve. But that's where I I plan for the prospecting. And then the other stuff kind of, I plan in there. So I also have things on my checklist, like send out two handwritten notes a day. Um, Check in with a team member. As you start growing your team, I learned the hard way. I didn't start off doing this. But I learned that the team members and including staff, they need to hear from me. They want me to ask about their family. They want me to care 
about their business and where their goals are. They are on my team, maybe not so for accountability. I don't like that word, but encouragement. I'm here to encourage them to hit their goals. You don't come on my team and I say, you have to sell 30 houses this year. You tell me what success looks like for you and I'll help you get there. And I'm big on on setting that up. And then for these checklists, I encourage each of the team members to have their own. So whatever they want, wherever they want to get their business from, they have their own pillars. And then we divide it up on a on a daily basis and create the checklist. And it does have get my morning workout in, drink a gallon of water a day, call my mom and tell her that I love her once a week. I mean, at least. So just things like that. I mean, it's we need that Darren, I'm a huge Darren Hardy fan and his wheel of life or life balance. And I love want to have that work-life balance. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I need to ensure that I have that balance because if I'm successful at work, but not successful in life, I mean, your life is shitty. (laughs) You have to be well-balanced. And I'll tell you, I mean, I don't work nights and weekends. I have food on the table. We have meals as a family, breakfast and dinner. And growing up, that's one of the big parts of my life that I remember having those family discussions. You know, what is your day going to look like today? I want to know. I want to teach my kids that they should envision their day. It's not going to be a crappy day. Mom, you know, my day is going to be great. Or it's going to be, you know, full of books or whatever. Yeah, I I think... I was going to say one of the things that I pick up on, which is exactly what what I do as well, is you don't focus on what you call lagging indicators. You focus on leading. So for the listeners that aren't aware, lagging indicator is like, hey, I want to sell 120 homes a year. And it's like, well, that's fucking great. How are you going to do it? And then most people go, I don't know. And it goes, you're not going to sell 120 homes then. like Because you just don't know what it looks like. So then you take it down per quarter, per avenue, And I take it down to these are the actions I need to take every day. And just by taking these actions, it might not happen. I might not hit Q1, but I might have an amazing Q3 and an amazing Q2. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And it's like, but I focus on, I may need to make 200 calls a day, whatever the number, it makes no difference. I need to send 30 Facebook messages, whatever that is. And it's like, some days will feel futile to say the least. It's some days you're just like, why am I doing this? And then it's like, you just got to trust the process and you got to start as you mean to go on. And it's like, so if you want to sell 120 homes a year, you can do it. You just got to make the, take the actions and you got to plan out your year. And the beginning of this year, I'm jumping on with Peter. I'm like, dude, we've got to plan out the year. Like I, I, I have a goal for the year, but I plan quarter by quarter. So I don't plan Q2 in, in Q, beginning of Q1. I'll plan hey, I want to hit, say, 120 in this example for the year. How am I going to hit 30 in Q1 is kind of how my brain works. And I I kind of go quarter by quarter. So I basically do every 90 days. This is my action plan of how I'm going to hit it. Because also, let's say your example of Sphere versus, say, Sync, right? Well, you know, Q1 in in this extravagant example, in Q1, you close 30 from Sync. So you've technically hit that goal of like by your found you know the your pillars so it's like well q2 you now can technically if you did only want to do 30 from it you could wipe that off the rest of the year if you just wanted to now focus on getting the 30 from the other pillars 
if that happened, I'd recommend probably going with sync a little bit more if they got you 30 deals in 90 days. Yeah, right. <laughs> in this particular scenario, I'd say maybe just revise the other stuff and go, shit, if I can get 30 out of this one platform that easily, I'd probably just go all in on one platform. Yeah. Your life will get a bit easier. It, it's, it's interesting to see how you break it up because I'm, I'm a very similar notion. It's like break it up, figure out what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. Give yourself some leniency as well. Stuff isn't going to go out of plan, especially in real estate. It goes wrong all the time. So you've got to have some wiggle room in there. You know, you can't be minute by minute, but you can be, you know, week by week. You know, you can figure out what you want to do and then have have bits in the middle of the day. But Peter, I think I interrupted you were about to blow our socks off. I just had one simple follow-up question because I know somebody listened to this and was like, ooh, two handwritten notes. Does that mean to your clients, to your past clients, to your future clients, to your current clients? What do you say? What is the intent behind the handwritten notes? Because I can't tell you the last time I've gotten a handwritten note. And I can't tell you the last time I wrote one because my handwriting is absolutely terrible. So I usually have my wife do it. <laughs> but I may. I need to know why you're doing it because I'm not where you are. So I want to know. <laughs> you sound like my husband because he has me write his notes too. Um, but I, I mean, don't you love when you get a handwritten note? I mean, it's rare to go to the mailbox and you have a handwritten note there. I mean, it is so heartwarming. And this year I actually amped it up a little bit more. So I'll tell you about that too. But for the handwritten notes, it's either, I mean, it can be so far across the board. I mean, on Facebook, you see that someone just lost their mother, their grandmother, their aunt, their uncle, um, writing, you know, it can be a greeting card for something like that, a sympathy card, a get well card. Uh, it can be that I just, you're one of my top 50 in my 50 favorite people or in my sphere. And I just want to write a note and say, Hey, you're, I know you're a nurse and you're working your ass off right now. And me and the whole country appreciates you doing that. Like we see you. Um, what I did, and it can also be if you just talk to someone and say, Hey, it was great to chat with you, Peter on the phone. I look forward to staying in touch. I apologize that I haven't been in touch as frequently as I should be. But from now on, I'm calling you once a month. I look forward to our future conversations. Um, and then on the other side of it, so what I did this year, and I learned this from a lender of mine, he picks once a week, a picture on Facebook to print out, put in a photo frame and mail out to that person. And I did my first one, my first couple this um, this year, I'm doing once a week. So for example, mine this week was a picture of past clients of mine, a husband and wife that just had a baby. I mean, she's now six months old, but there was a cute little family photo that she put on Facebook. People that are putting their own photos on Facebook don't hate that photo usually. And so... <laughs> I yes. I took that photo. I I actually bought. I invested in a Kodak printer. I mean, it was under two hundred bucks. It's it, it's at my office. I can print photos on demand on photo paper. So and I ordered in bulk off of Amazon. I mean, I don't even know how many a ton of photo frames. They're nice, you know, black with a little mat in there, white mat. So I mean, pretty versatile to go with anything. And so I printed off this photo. 
also put in a handwritten note and said, Jess and Josh, I just had to print this photo off for you because it is adorable. I'm so excited for you and your growing family. And, you know, I hope you enjoy. I thought this photo would look great on your mantle or your bookshelf and mailed, you know, shipped that out to them. Cost five bucks in postage to send it. And I know that when people start getting these, the the warming of their heart is going to be so much more than a $5 value, right? A hundred percent. Do you slip a business card in there too? No, I don't. <laughs> that, that's like where my mind went. It's like, hmm, should I include a business card? I think that's probably why Brooke is doing 130 deals a year though, because she doesn't slip the business card in. <laughs> there are times and places for that. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in gaining access to our courses and coaching 100% free, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com.